Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back here, the Roto Experts on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Scott Eglin, George Kurtz talking some NFL draft. We'll have some fantasy baseball upcoming this, later this hour. If you have any football or baseball questions, 844-843-6879. It's 844-843. 8436879 thanks to everybody who's listening including our longtime friend Steve G uh, on Twitter and uh, you can hear us live or on demand talking here uh, about some of the more interesting picks Jarius Geis uh, was actually a little baffled that he fell to the second round in Washington, but maybe he should be happy. That's a perfect landing spot. If this kid can keep his head on straight and he can stay healthy, this guy could be an instant impact fantasy player. Yeah, you're right. Washington needs a running back. I know he had some uh, character issues there. That's why he uh, fell there. But I'm not so sure you could have gone to a better spot. There is no clear-cut favorite there in Washington. You know, anyway, you look at it. Uh, you know, Perrine was disappointing last year. You know, he had some issues. Rob Kelly. Uh, you know, no one's version of a number one running back. Chris Thompson, more of a uh, tweener. Uh, we did a pass catcher. Had a big season went healthy last year. Then he got banged up. I think it's a great uh, situation for guys. You know, Alex Smith, okay, he's not the guy that throws the ball deep. So I think uh, safeties will play close to the line of scrimmage. That'll hurt him somewhat here. But I like Darius, guys. And outside of Barkley, the non-Barkley division of the rookies, he may be my favorite here. Yeah, out, uh, this is a guy that you can pick up maybe middle rounds of a draft that is going to have some significant upside and impact. I was a P. Ryan fan last year. Turned out to be wrong on him. Same uh, Yeah. Royce Freeman is another guy, too, who actually fits that profile. It really doesn't seem like he has any competition there in Denver. This guy, uh, you know, has drawn some comparison to Carlos Hyde. Uh, can he stay healthy? If not, they have Devontae Booker and some other guys there. But I would have to say that the Broncos were going to go after a running back when it didn't happen in the first round. It happened in the second. I think Royce Freeman's another good second-round uh, second pick that, can, like guys, can get an opportunity to start here and make an impact. Yeah, and he's also he's more of a workhorse guy. So a guy you could be out there all three downs. Uh, he's six feet, uh, six foot two thirty. Broncos got him in the third round, and I think we're seeing a lot of running backs. That's unusual to see running backs go so early. So they they go second, third round because teams they have a short shelf life. You know, they're not they're generally not going to be around for your team for four or five. Second contract even can be tough for these guys. They get beat up so much. I like what the the Broncos have done here. They actually uh, once again made a lot of noise on offense. Yeah, you take Freeman, you might have gotten your number one. Uh, running back there, and he took a whole bunch of wide receivers in the draft here, which I guess they uh, they could lose Thomas Endor or Sanders in the future. Maybe that's why. But uh, they sort of made a statement here, Denver. I guess uh, once again wanting to surround Case Keenum. Elway mentioned that he's not bringing in any more quarterbacks. 
You know, he had no intention of drafting a quarterback, and he was not bringing any more during, during our camp or anything. It will be Lynch and Chad Kelly battling for the backup. I find that interesting because, once again, Keenum, I don't know how you feel about Keenum, but uh, I'm certainly not sold on him. I don't know if this is all going to be uh, blamed on Jeff Fisher, why he was so bad before he got out of there. So I'm curious to what he can do. And uh, to me, he's nothing more than a low-end quarterback, too, in, uh, in Superflex Leagues. I would I would I would say Keenum's more of a high end to quarterback too after what he or at least mid range after what he showed last year. And then you look at the fact, you know, that now I'm gonna have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. They have some good receiving depth, you know, adding the rookie here as well. Uh, it kind of might be a mo- comfortable mode, kind of like Minnesota, where they had a really good defense and some good receivers for him. So, uh, you know, he might be. Last year he was steady, and. A few times spectacular in uh, in fantasy football, Case Keenum. I think you know there's the opportunity for that to happen again. Uh, you say, you're saying mid range quarterback too. That puts him around 15, 16. I'm going to look see who you're taking out of there. There's a lot of guys in his range there, and I'm going to have a tough time taking him over some of these guys. I love the Chubb pick. I think I think Cleveland made a mistake. You know, I understand you needed a cornerback, and then maybe that's a uh, more of an area of need. But Chubb, in my mind, though, could have been the best player, defensive player in this draft. And to pass up on him for a, a corner, this is a pretty heavy cornerback draft. You could have either, I don't think they maximized the pick. If you're going to take Ward at four, I think either then you trade down, you know, a couple of slots that someone else going to that fourth one, needed a quarterback, get some more extra picks. I even would have been okay with giving up Ward and taking the next best quarterback at 33. Or if I need to, if there's a quarterback you like at the end of the first round, trading back in there. They had plenty of extra capital here. But I, there's no way. I would have let uh, Chubb go. I, I I probably would would have taken him. And you heard Elway say they or we were, it was reported that Denver had a deal worked out with Buffalo. Where Buffalo's going to get that number five pick, pretty much unless Chubb was there. Chubb was there, they took him. You know that's how much they loved him there. I think pairing him with Von Miller is going to make that defensive line nasty. I would uh I would say when you're talking mid range quarterback number two, I'm talking like like 18th or 19th overall. I don't think that's ridiculous for for Case Keenum. Uh, I mean, once again, I think we're forgetting how deep quarterback Quarterback's is. very deep, though. It's I'm not forgetting deep. how deep it is, but when you talk 18, 19, you're talking in a range with Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota. Uh, I wouldn't have. Well, people, you know, I'm looking at some rankings here. I see Pat, Pat Mahomes. Someone's Pat Mahomes at 13th overall. This is ESPN. Man. I don't Fantasy know how pros, Mahomes. ECR is 19. That's probably a better range for him. But had him at yeah. 13, just outside of a quarterback. One of the guys played one start. Man, that to me, that's nuts. But, uh, you know, I think Dak Prescott at 16. I agree with Alex Smith, 17. This one has Matt Ryan at 18. Granted, this is done before the draft, I believe. I don't think they've updated these rankings. But uh, it's curious to see. And I think this is a consensus of all their guys. So it's uh, curious to see where quarterbacks go. Because it is so deep, you're going to have you're gonna have some wild rankings of quarterbacks outside of the top Six, seven, eight. After that, people are going to be all over the place. Yeah, pretty much. But I don't know if I could go lower than 20 or 21 with Keenum. But like you said, you know, quarterback's deep. But I, I'm I'm saying, you know, I, I don't view him as mediocre fantasy. Playing two quarterback leagues. Not you. Everybody I, else. Okay. I was about, I did play in a two quarterback. League. No, I, 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 I think I think year. people who aren't playing in two quarterback leagues or refuse to. Maybe this was okay five, six, seven years ago when quarterback wasn't as deep. But... I mean, it, it, I'm getting tired of people during a draft. Wait on a quarterback. Wait on a quarterback. Wait on a quarterback. It just gets boring. 
you know, playing two quarterback, it's more strategy. And it's, it's, there's plenty of quarterbacks to go around in 12-team two-quarterback leagues because there's more. There's, there's at least 24. You'll be okay. It makes the league more fun. Uh, I would prefer Superflex where in case you, you get an injury, you can still plug somebody else in other than a quarterback into that slot so you're not completely screwed. And you're playing in a straight two-quarterback league, yeah, if your number one guy goes down, you're, you're, you might be dead, especially if you're playing at six points for a touchdown pass. But uh, Superflex leagues, I think the... I think that's where it's at. I can I can yep. make an argument for IDP as well, but I'll let that go. There's are so there are some of the more impact skill position picks from the NFL draft. More coverage of all seven rounds, uh, skill position wise, on RotoExperts.com right now from Jake Seely, and also uh, some of the top non-skill position picks from Steve Taroni. Uh, the Colts went Quentin Nelson at uh, number six overall, and also took a lineman a little bit later on. Do you think that's a signal that maybe they're confident that Andrew Luck is going to play this year? Well, I would assume that. But then again, you don't want to protect any of your quarterbacks. But you have to get keep Luck healthy, right? I mean, you have to keep him healthy. Can't keep letting this man get beat up. Uh, the Colts, uh, yeah, I get it. When you know when you take the sixth overall pick on an offensive lineman, it's not sexy. It's hard to sell that to your fan base. But I think as we've seen with several other teams, you know, so Jerry Jones finally do it right and finally take his offensive lineman and Dallas got better. I think uh, Indianapolis going the same direction here. I like the pick. I thought it was uh, necessary. I think if Chubb would have fell to them, they would have taken him. You know, better player overall. But I think they made the right pick here. And, yes, to answer your question, I do think this is a sign that Indianapolis at least believes that Andrew Luck will be healthy. And I, I think I'll wait till I, I see him on the field and do something. Well, let me ask you this question. Andrew Luck. Right now, would you draft him as a quarterback one? No. I couldn't. Can't, I can't if I had to draft right now, that's why I like to draft closer to the season. Right now, his uh, ECR and fantasy pros is 12th overall. That's probably, I mean, I guess technically that's a quarterback one, but I think that's right, about right right now. I, I, I'm with you there. I can't draft him as a quarterback one right now, not if I'm drafting. And I'm sure you, I'm sure you do have some early drafts like I do. Uh, it's unfortunate because that's going to be a, a, a guessing game. But it's also, you know, Andrew Luck. And there's going to be a couple of players get hurt during camp. That's why I hate drafting, really. If I had my ways, I would draft the Wednesday before the uh, season started because uh, you, know, you hate to see somebody get hurt, you know, because you drafted in July or you drafted in June. And then, you know, we see Jordy Nelson go down, Kelvin Benjamin go, go down. Maybe Andrew Luck doesn't play, you know, and uh, it's always uh, – it's a big sigh. The, the air comes out of the balloon before you even uh, go anywhere. I prefer to draft as late as I possibly can. And Andrew Luck right now, I wouldn't touch. That might change in August, but right now I'm not touching. Not from a fantasy perspective, but I just love uh, Tampa Bay's pick of uh, Vita V. You know, that, that, that guy is such a – he's going to make a big – I think when you, when you look at fantasy running backs and playing against the middle of that defensive line next year, you're really going to have to take notice. Are you an IDP guy, Scott? I haven't played IDP in a few years. Oh, I love IDP. I wish uh, I forget. Just haven't gotten invited to the right one. Oh, you're right. Uh, I'm rarely invited to an IDP. I do play in a uh, big time dynasty league where we it's heavy IDP. We actually start more IDPs than we do offensive players. But uh, I wish people would realize you don't need to start nine. Uh, start a linebacker, uh, and a safety, and a defensive lineman. That's it. You know, and you start off slow. Everyone will have a superstar. And you, you grow from there, and you get rid of team defense. Uh, it, once again, it makes the game better. 
You know, so well, I I prefer IDP. I, in fact, I love IDP. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, Vita Vey, I mean, once again, told him, middle of the defensive line, there's not much you can do to make that uh, all that exciting unless they're big-time sack guys. Even the Dominican Sue was never a huge IDP player. Not unless you're really tailoring the point system where, you know, for a defensive lineman tackle, you get, you know, major bonus points or, or a sack for that matter. If it's everything straight, if it's the same amount of points for a defensive lineman as it is for a linebacker, well, you're always going with the linebacker. And then you look at the uh, boy. What a, talk about filling a need? The Cincinnati Bengals, number twenty-one, gaining center Billy Price. And you know, when, when you draft a center, you get the guy who calls the plays for the line is a real anchor. Does this make you more optimistic about Joe Mixon heading into next year? <laughs> the first thing I thought of, Scott, I had Joe Mixon in way too many leagues last year, and I got him in two keeper leagues now. Uh, I, I have decided whether I'm going to keep him or not. And seeing Billy Price or any offensive lineman go in the first round made me happy. Right, because that offensive line was poor. I know Mixon didn't play all that great, but uh, that line was bad. He was getting hit before he even before he even got the football. He was getting hit. So yes, I was happy to see this. But you know, it's only one player. I'm not saying it's going to automatically uh, mean that I'm going to keep uh, Mixon in those leagues. But it, it did make me happy. As for your uh, keeper league, you got Mixon. What do you think about drafting Mixon? I'm certainly happy. Still though, Mixon's a running back too. The Minnesota Vikings at number th- number thirty going with cornerback Mike Hughes. This defense is – that was a case of the rich just getting richer. And, you know, that's going to be a terrific fantasy unit uh, for for for, uh, for our league purposes next year. It's just, you know, now when, uh, when people who study that, you know, looking at the Vikings right now, uh, Fantasy Pros ECR, they are ranked number two. The problem with that, though, is it's go- – it's, it's, people are always going to draft a defense like that too early especially when you're playing in the league with less experienced players. You're going to see it go in round eight. Yeah, you're probably right. I think round, round eight might be a little early, but I get your point. Uh, and I, th- I agree. I mean, uh, It is a little early, probably... but you do see it. Oh, yeah, you will. Well, not won't be by me in any leagues. Uh, I didn't want to say this. You said it right. The defense, uh, the rich did get richer here. I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota, the Rams, and Philadelphia have crushed this offseason. I mean, it's going to be hard for me to see how there's – any, any team better in the NFC than those three. I mean, injuries are always making an impact. And, you know, maybe there'll be a hangover there for the Philadelphia Eagles after winning the Super Bowl. Or maybe uh, Wentz can't come back for a while and falls as the player wheel, or as the player I think he is. Uh, maybe that's an issue there. But I like what Minnesota's done. I love what the Rams have done. I like what Philadelphia has done. In my mind, these three teams are still on a collision course for each other. Will Hernandez, the Giants' 34th overall. I love this pick. This guy is a complete masher and bulldozer and it's a really nice uh partner pick you know, to Saquon Barkley there and it fills an obvious position of need for those a lot gets blamed on the quarterback especially with the Giants and you know Eli had no blocking he had no receivers last year a lot of people are assuming that he's done but at the same time he he had no supporting cast in the NFL as a team sport uh, a lot of that's true. I mean, uh, the offensive line's been poor for a couple of years. Uh, they haven't really worked on that. Uh, Hernandez is a big man. Uh, he will. He should certainly help there. A lot of it's on Eli as well, though. He, his decision making is not as great. His still knows his throwing isn't as crisp. He's always. He's never had the rocket for an arm. But he, uh, I think his decision making, always trying to look at Beckham's way first, and maybe forcing some balls in there. I think some of that's on him. He throws off his back foot a lot now. I think he's been hit so many times. And once again, you can blame the offensive line for this. 
that he and we've seen this a lot with older quarterbacks. He sees the rush. Yeah, he's seeing the rush down and doesn't want to get hit. I know that sounds funny. You never want to get hit. But, you know, when you're younger, you're, you're not paying attention. You, you'll take the hits. Now I think he's seeing it and doesn't want to get hit. I think that's a, a, a part of the reason for his uh, struggles here. But once again, that a lot of that you can blame on the line not blocking anybody. So uh, theoretically, sure, that's partly taken care of. But it, they're going to need more than one player to do that. Yeah, I think the Giants sat there at number two, uh, despite the, all the external pressure, and said – Really, can we still go with this guy at quarterback? And I think ultimately the decision they made is, yes, we got to get him better protection and better support. And if you go to the Fantasy Sports Network uh, YouTube page or sportsgrid.com, you can see an interview with Sterling Shepard, Fantasy Sports Network exclusive uh, from draft night. And he said, Saquon Barkley gives us something that we've been missing around here a lot for a long time. It's you know, they they have to put men in the box to count for him, and but they can't even really do that because now you have Beckham and you ha- and you have Barkley. It's almost a situation that you can stick a lot of quarterbacks in as long as they're respectable. They they have a chance to play well. Yeah, that's that's not, not really the argument. Not taking a quarterback. It's not, the argument has nothing to do with that. It's yeah. what are you going to do in two years from now when you don't have a quarterback anymore? This is short sighted in my mind. And the problem is, even with all these moves, I agree with everything you said. Are you still better than Philadelphia, Minnesota, Rams? No, you're not. So you still have issues here. It's not like you're a Super Bowl contender right now. I think it was short-sighted. That was my issue with not taking a quarterback. Yeah, if that guy turns out to be a generational player and in four years the Giants have a good quarterback, then maybe it isn't short-sighted. But a lot of debate about that. We'll start talking some fantasy baseball next year on the Roto Experts on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Back here on the Roto Experts on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pool, smaller fields, and single-ended contrast only. Fantasy Factor always has some fun contests going on. This year, Fantasy Factor is running a $100,000 home run derby. Simply sign up and enter www.fantasyfactor.com. That's www.fantasyfactor.com. So time to switch to a little baseball here, and we always take your calls at 844-843-6879. Let's begin by hitting the waiver wire for today. And uh, some players who are owned in under 35% of leagues, let's start with Jesus Aguilar. With Eric Thames gone for the season with some thumb injury, Aguilar should get a chance to play full-time now or most of the time with Ryan Braunstein. Some of the work at first base for the Milwaukee Brewers. How much of your budget are you willing to spend on him today, especially if you lost Thames and maybe middle of the corner infield? There's just not a lot out there, George. What a shame you lost Thames. I mean, he, he was doing very well. Once again, another hot April. So, And I have him in a league or two. That was... Uh... Annoying, to put it nicely. I'd probably use slightly stronger language. 
in private. Uh, yeah, I mean, corner infield is where I'd be aiming for him. Maybe utility guy. I think I'm probably still going to be playing time. What if he's not hitting? Does that mean Santana comes back? You know, I got Yelich, Kane, Braun, Aguilar. You got the same problem as when you had Tame. Someone's got to sit. You know, you know it's not going to be Yelich, not going to be Kane, not going to be Braun, although Braun seems to sit a lot because he's always banged up with something. So, you know, because on the Santana, Aguilar, can, can one play first base? Will Braun play first, put Santana in the outfield? How's that work? I mean, there's a lot of question marks here, Scott, but yeah, I'll spend if I need the if I need the spot, I love the ballpark he hits in, but I'm not going overboard here. I don't think it would reach double. Di- uh, I don't think it would reach 10 percent of my budget. I think it'd be, uh, you know, in hundred dollar budgets, seven, eight dollars somewhere around there. It all depends on your league, how competitive your league. Anything with bids. When people ask me uh, bid questions, whether it's on our Slack channel or if it's on Twitter or wherever it might be, it's really uh, depends on your league. How crazy is your league? Is you you have a lot of owners paying attention? Is your bidding generally high? How many other people need a first baseman corner corner field DH? You know, you have a bunch of owners not paying attention or not, don't never make bids. Well, they're saving their money for the big when the big prospects come up later on. So a lot of this goes into bids. Why right? a lot of this is, uh, I think you really need to take this with a grain of salt. Because I think every league is different. But for me, Scott, most of my leagues, six, seven, eight dollars. Yeah, I can't imagine too many non-competitive fantasy baseball leagues. When you compare fantasy baseball to fantasy football, fantasy football is so much more mainstream. I feel like every fantasy baseball league just about has some sort of good level of competition in it. It just matters what the league size is, whether you're 10 or 15 teams. Uh, I think, that once again, I think it's leagues that you and I play in. Sure, they'll be more competitive. I know a lot of leagues... Uh, you know, people always complain. That's why I see a lot of complaints. Oh, this guy doesn't even settle on. People uh, lose interest if they don't get off to the hot start. Once again, I think it's, yeah. the, uh, I think it's this culture in America. When you open up, if you don't do well in two weeks, oh, your team's terrible. You don't even try. Or you don't try as hard as you should. And I think that's uh, a shame. I think it's one of the biggest arguments in a uh, industry league I play in. It's, uh, it's a heavy keeper league. And it's an industry league. So these are names that everybody knows. And uh, people give up because they, they didn't get to a hot start. They're already trading the top prospects for next year. And uh, it's a big argument in the league. It's like any other league. People always should have rules designed to stop this. You know, but it's, uh, it's funny. People, even guys who are in the industry, baseball guys, if you didn't get up to the hot start in April, they're all ready to deal out and look forward to 2019. Shame. Yeah, I would disagree with you, though, that I'm only talking about leagues that I'm in. I deal with so many followers and listeners. And you know, that when it comes to baseball, uh, they're mostly competitive. You know, of course, there are people that do duck out after a month or two, but a lot of those people, if they're in the competition, they don't. I would, I would say that fantasy baseball, way more than fantasy football, if you're playing in a league with, you're talking 23 t- t- starters, 30-round drafts, uh, it, it's, the, I'm not saying they don't exist, but I think the percentage of non-competitive players is probably more lower than many other fantasy sport. Uh, I don't know if I, uh, I don't have an argument one way or the other. I don't know if it's more or less than football. Uh, I would think football is actually more competitive because it's football. It's only one day a week. I think people go, uh, lose. I said, I don't know the numbers either way, so I'm not going to make an argument. Here. Well, I think the level argument. of expertise in fantasy baseball leagues is higher than in football. My point is, is that the average fantasy football player doesn't want to play in a baseball league because it's too much work, it's too many players, it's paying paying attention, it's way too much more diligence. The average fantasy football player plays once a week, checks their way. There, there are a lot of leagues where people are just, you know, they don't pay nearly as much attention, and there are, 
There, I think there are way more mainstream fantasy football leagues. Well, for, I mean, there's no doubt. Base playing fantasy baseball is much harder because you already, you already yeah. said why it's, it's an everyday league. Uh, but the percent, I think there are many more football leagues. I mean, football leagues is by far uh, outweighs yeah. the number of baseball leagues here, so that also skews the numbers here. Uh, you know, we're going to play in more football leagues. I know I do. I'm playing. I play in probably three times as many football leagues as I do baseball. You know, for whatever reason that might be. Uh, I'm actually trying to calm that number down. But uh, like I said, I think uh, in any league, I don't think it's a really baseball football thing. You're going to have guys not pay attention. After they, they don't, I think it's more human or the American culture. We want instant satisfaction, instant gratification. We don't want to work for anything. And in baseball, you, you generally have to work at it. It's, uh, it is, you can't, uh, afford, you know, you can't afford not to pay attention. That's the thing in baseball. I agree. You can't, you can't afford. That's, that's why I'm saying it. There's no numbers to back this up. This is just my perception. If you're going to get into a baseball league, I think you have to expect to be serious, whereas, you know, if people see, oh, get in that fantasy football league. Uh, I don't care a lot about it. It's, it, there, there are a lot more, uh, how should I say, apathetic fantasy football players than baseball. In terms of percentage, not overall because obviously football is bigger, but I would say in percentage, there's a lot more apathetic or average enthusiasm players than there are for baseball because baseball, you're either in or you're out. I might disagree, but I don't have I don't have nothing to back this up. It's just a personal opinion. Baseball, you prefer weekly lineup or daily lineup? Uh, prefer weekly. Oh, see, I prefer daily. I don't want to set lineups yeah. every single day. I do, mm. man. I, and my, I, I don't play in any league like this. Other than, no, no league like this. I prefer a daily lineup with daily transactions or a daily fab. I hate when I get a player hurt on a Monday and I, and I now have to eat this thing for six days. This drives me insane. I get angry all week. I'm mad because I lost a player on a Monday. Or how about maybe even a Thursday fab? Yeah, Monday, Thursday, give me something during the middle of the week. I know they're, I don't, once again, don't play in a league like that, although I know they're out there. I've heard other people talk about them. At least so much I can replace that player. It's nothing more infuriating. Uh, you know, your lineup's got to be set something you know, on Mondays. We have day games sometimes. One o'clock Monday, lineup's got to be set. You don't find out the fourth this player was put on a DL. You know, it's, it infuriates me that I can't replace that guy. Uh, I just eat it. Because once again, I don't, I don't like injuries determining who wins and who loses, especially in today's baseball with this 10-day DL. Well, let's face it. You know, you got a hangnail. You tend to go on a DL. And I don't, I'm not saying the baseball teams are wrong. I kind of like that. They're protecting their stars, especially with the pitchers. You might only miss one start if you have an off day in there. But it, fantasy-wise, it does hurt. It changes things to really I, – I just don't want – you know, baseball – this probably actually goes to your point. There's less luck involved in baseball than football. But now yeah. with this, the injuries, I think they were changing that a little bit. You know, where, you know, if, you, if you're the unlucky guy, one, one league, I have nine guys on a DL now. It's, it's hilarious because Crawford just went on a DL for Philadelphia. Uh, I understand he's not a big player, but I, I like to take luck out of it as much as possible. I understand where you're coming from. That like like sort of a compromise like fan tracks in the NFBC do where you can change your lineup on Fridays. So I kind of like that. But one final point about, you know, baseball versus football. You know, I vehemently disagree with you that, the average fantasy baseball player, the average fantasy football is comparable to terms of the average fantasy baseball player to commitment, dedication, and interest. I've actually met fantasy football players who actually don't even watch the games on Sunday and set their lineup and others who like just check once, twice a week or just get in just because everybody in the office is doing that. I don't think I've ever met a fantasy baseball player like that. Oh, come on. We've all met players. I mean, that, that's a bad argument. 
Because you've met one. We've I've met guys of every every spectrum out there. Well, who cares? You know, I, I know guys in my league, the home league I play in. Some guys pay attention to the whole league. Some guys have no business being in this league. You know, that's just the way it is in all leagues. So I'm not going to go by that argument whatsoever here. Uh, I'm not saying I'm right at all. I don't have any, any notes to back this up. But uh, and I, honestly, I don't really care. Well, uh, I've obviously talking not from one two people that I've met. I wouldn't say this unless you just I've said it from a somebody I've met. People said like this. this. I'm just giving examples. Your you words. Know, I'm giving examples. You know, it's not like I've met one person like that. Otherwise, I wouldn't bring it up. Yeah, there are always people like that in every, in every league that you got to find. Baseball, I find baseball, that very football. hard. Very hard to find. Every like just about. I would say nine out of every ten fantasy baseball players I talk to are heavily committed to their leagues. Best people you talk to, they're never going to say they're not. Oh, yes, Scott, I, I hate my league. I don't, I don't ask them. Weeks. That's not the way I'm saying it. You, you just said talk to. Talk to. I, not in the terms of way of giving a poll. Oh, how committed are you? I'm saying when, when, you, when you talk to, when you take Twitter questions, when you speak to people in Slack, et cetera, you can tell the level of competitive of their, their league. But those are players who are into it. Of course, if they're asking questions, they're into it. But you know, I get other people, I get other fantasy football players who ask me questions, and you can tell they're, they, you know, that they're they're in a league, or they even say that, you know, it's it's easy on waivers, etc. And I, I just feel like fantasy football is way more mainstream. Where fantasy baseball, you got to be. You have to prepare to be in because it's so much diligence and so much work. Fantasy it football is. players can check their lineup once a week. You can't, you can't, you can't do that in fantasy baseball. But that's not the argument here. You're sort of mixing arguments here. There's no doubt that baseball's harder. I don't yeah. think anybody can tell you football. Baseball is much harder. It's a daily yeah. sport. Yeah. It's much harder. Football. You, I mean, it's not one day a week anymore. It's three. But uh, it's it's easier. You could just set your lineup on a Tuesday and just let it go. You don't have to do anything. You're not going to win that way, but you could. Uh, in baseball, you need to work hard here. But you look in, in three weeks, I guarantee you, and I don't want to say in mostly, but in a lot of leagues, you look at the bottom of your standings. That last team or two that's out of it, they're going to have a DL guy in their lineup. They, they haven't made any moves. I mean, this is just, once again, to me, it's just human nature. I know I'll be able to find that in a league. Well, yeah, you'll find it, in. but I think you'll find it. You're, you're way more inactive players in fantasy football in terms of a percentage. I think people know going in, they don't have to have as heavy of a commitment to fantasy football. So they're okay with being like, you know, ho-hum about it or you know less committed than they are to baseball. I think they know the difference between football and baseball. I get so many fantasy football players say to me, I would never play baseball just because it's a lack of a commitment. I don't want to spend the time. Yeah, but I think that's a different argument. I think, once again, ag- agreed wholeheartedly. Baseball is much harder to play. It's much more time-consuming uh, than football. Yeah, but what and I'm I'll saying is you- people know that. So the average person who plays fantasy football is not going to be, be get into a fantasy baseball league. I'm not saying you can't find a dead team or a non-competitive owner in a baseball league. I'm just saying I think you find way more of those in fantasy football. I think way more is a, a term I wouldn't use. You might you might find more. Uh, you know, I don't think you're gonna find way more. Right. I, once again, I think it's a, a, to me it's Ameri- it's an American culture thing, where so we want yeah. if we're not doing well right away, we move on. You know, and I think that's not a good thing either. By the way, you know, I don't think it's just fantasy leagues I'm talking about. I think this is pretty much in all facets of life. We're sort of the microwave society. We want instant gratification now. If we don't get it, we don't like it. All right, back to waivers here, and uh, Francisco Liriano. He's owned in 37%. No! 
37% of CBSSports.com leagues. You say such a quick no. No. Right, no. but when you're talking a very no. competitive league, so far three and one with a no. three thirty eight ERA and a one sixteen WHIP. I mean, listen, you you want to use it for a matchup play because you're likely he's going against that week. Fine, but he's a blow up waiting to happen here. Uh, no, I mean I can't see how I'm going Leary Hatter unless I'm devastated at pitcher and I got some injuries here. I'm not going to be taking fits. I've been burned here before. Uh, there's almost no upside. Excuse me, almost no upside here. Even wins can be tough to come by. Detroit, not the greatest of teams. Once I keep looking, what am I hoping for here? To me, it's all about the upside. Uh, and he has none. And he just has very little here. I understand he's on a little bit of a hot streak. And that's great. That's it. If you want him for the immediate... I, most of the guys we're going to talk about, especially on the pitching end here, are guys you're going to pick up this week, maybe two weeks, and then get rid of for the next guy. And I don't have an issue with that. You know, I, that doesn't bother me at all. We all churn the bottom of our roster, especially if you're in a head-to-head and you need uh, and you're allowed to make moves uh, right away if you first come, first serve, and you need that start over the weekend because you need a certain, then I don't have any issue with that. But long-term, no, I'm not going to be taking Francisco Liriano. Here's some of the numbers that point and illustrate to uh, what George is saying. 6.44 K rate right now, a 215 BABIP a 77.2% strand rate. The ERA is 338, but the XFIP is 488. Yeah, I said, I just I just don't see... Uh, you know, when I look at... Uh, I want upside, Scott. Listen, I have no problem with anybody who's taking him. You know, I need a start. He's the best guy available that day. Matchup. I have no problem with that. But uh, if we're looking at longer term... And by the way, I'm not saying the rest of the... Even the season longer term. Just give me a month or two. And to me, it'll be long enough term. I just don't see it because I think he's a guy – I'd be afraid if it's his two-start week and I can't remove him from my lineup, which I assume most things you can't. He has that bad start on Monday, and you're going to eat it on the weekend too, and that's going to worry me. I probably worry about him more in head-to-head leagues than I do in yearly leagues because even if he does blow up, I can probably uh, – I can fix it as the season goes on here. So I think it's another thing you need to keep in consideration here when you talk about these kinds of players. Head-to-head scares me more because one bad start, you just lost whip, you just lost DRA. Yeah, and, and that'll always bother me. I said Detroit's a bad team. W is going to be tough to come by. He's not striking out a ton. What, what are we hoping for here? A place filler? I'd probably rather go with a top reliever who's going to protect my whip in ERA. Right now, who would you have rather have? Let's play. Who would you rather have? Uh, Francisco Liriano or Drew Pomeranz and why? You know, if I didn't know how, uh, I'd say Pomeranz, but man, he didn't look all that great. He's not throwing very hard, Scott. He's throwing, his fastball is four or five miles off. Maybe this is still spring training for him a little bit. You know, uh, right now, in the immediate future, Liriano. Give me uh, probably three, four weeks from now, longer term, Pomeranz. Francisco Liriano or Jose Urena? Oh, this one's a little closer for me. Uh, I don't think either one of the guys would be a long-term play for me. Uh, once again, Urena's got the same problem as Liriano, so it's even as far as wins. Or Detroit's a better team, but it's a little easier, better, better ballpark. I'm probably leaning towards Urena here, but I could be talked out of it. Okay. Francisco Liriano or Tyler Maley? <laughs> the mailman. Uh, once again, another one that's close here. <laughs> You put up some good names here, Scott. Almost like you tried uh, to study for this. Yeah, I'm going to go Liriano again. I, I, once again, I don't feel great about it. It's another one where it's almost a coin toss matchup play that week. All right. Lots more uh, fantasy 
baseball waiver talk to come up, including uh, one of Liriano's teammates who's off to a good start. These Tigers don't win a lot of good, lot of games, but you can find some decent pitching if you mine some of these lesser teams. Also find that on rotoexperts.com with the latest Cam Jaya Grande when he talks about the Twins. More fantasy baseball talk next. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Back here on the Roto Experts on FNTSY Sports Radio. Scott Engel and George Kurtz talking some fantasy baseball waivers here. If you missed uh, the first hour and a half of the show, we talked a lot of NFL draft review. Uh, you can listen to that on demand as well. And we talked about Liriano. What about one of his teammates? Mike Fires is uh, actually off to a respectable start. He's only owning 7% of CBSSports.com leagues. Two and two with a three ninety one ERA and a one twenty six WHIP so far, George. He's probably someone I'm more interested in than Liriano. Uh, does possess some of the same problems. Bad team. W is going to be tough to come by. Uh, I understand. Listen, we all say don't chase wins. Blah blah blah. But you know what? You need to have some percentages here, odds of getting them. And uh, I don't know how much. Mike is going to give you that. 32 years old. Strikeouts, once again, he's not going to light up that either. Whip does play in a pretty good pitcher's ballpark for the most part. I think to me, Scott, these are all just fillers. You know, he he might be a little bit more than a filler's fires, but still, I, there's limited upside here. He's not going to start striking out a whole bunch of players, not going to win, you know, 15 more games for the rest of the season. I think the best thing I'm hoping for is to uh, keep my uh, ratios in place. And I think I'd rather have a guy who maybe it depends on how you get your philosophy. Would you rather have a guy who could blow up more but get you those strikeouts? We see we know a lot of hard young throwers who will strike out more but are gonna have issues with whip, putting people on base, can't control the strike zone. You know, maybe on a better team, better chance for a win. And probably because on the what categories I'm trying to hit. For the most part, I try to avoid these kinds of guys, Scott, and I like to go with that. If there's setup men out there, now I'm not talking about holds league either. I'm just talking about regular five by fives and protect my ratios rather than risk losing them if, I, if there's no upside in Ks and no upside in Ws. We're going to have to talk about fillers, though, because you're not going to find David Price on the free agent list. Not so sure I want him either. That I was an ugly one, start yesterday. It was. I think he'll bounce back. Two uh, of his last three have been about, ugly. What's that? Yeah, I Two think of his we'll last three back. have been ugly. So do I. I mean, I, I was kidding about not about wanting. Him. I would take him, but uh, he scares me right now, uh, David Price. I'm not. I'm not. I certainly wouldn't be all in on him. I don't think. I don't believe I own any shares. I would have at draft time. I wanted him at draft time. I was hoping for a bounce back season, but now eh, control is wonky. That's what his big problem was yesterday. You know, he's got the injury concern as well. He had the tingling in his fingers against the Yankees start. I think there's a lot of red flags with David Price. Yeah, I'll trade for him. Uh, you talk about Fires's uh, strikeout rate. It's down to 5.847, but it, in the career, it's 8.45, so he does offer some strikeout potential. The ERA is 391 now. The XFIP is 4.56. 
The BABIP is 280, not too much below the career mark. And the strand rate is 69.7%. So it might be a case of what you see is what you get with Mike Fires. It might, but you know, the numbers do say it. Maybe a tick upside here. I don't see anything that's going to be uh, great for my team. He's another guy. Once again, head to head league. I need to start that week. Fine. If I have a rash of injuries, you know, then I don't mind him as, uh, as much either here. But he's not someone I'm dying to get here. But he's You'd not rather have I a Darren either. all day, you're saying. Or Paul Seawald or something like that. Seawald, yes. Yeah, because he's striking out guys, too. Are you talking about what's available on free agency here? I mean, you're not going to find Dallin Betances on free agency if you want a middle reliever. He should be on free agency. Good luck if you have Betances. He's going to crush your whip right now. But you're saying you want some of these middle relievers. You know, I bring up these guys, and they're all ho-hum to you. It's like, what do you really expect to find? You brought up two middle relievers, Scott. One I agreed with. What's so a middle reliever like that's out 10. there right now? What's a middle reliever that's out there right now that that you would want to have? It's got a lot of middle relievers. Most uh, leagues, they're t- outside the top. I mean, I don't have Andrew Miller out there. There are right. plenty of middle uh, relievers out there. Give me some Most examples. Most people. Well, it depends on the league you're playing in, Scott. If it's whole league, you have nobody out it's there. A 12 t- if it's a twelve-team league and you want to keep your ratio down, and it's five by five, and you don't play holds. And you don't want Francisco Liriani. You don't want Mike Fires. Who are some of the relievers you want to grab then? All right. The first thing I'm looking at is the guys who have a chance to close. And there are always guys out there. Barraclough now with uh, Miami might be out there. We'll get to him a in chance. a second, yeah. But that's a guy I'd want. You guys would you put him in the line? Would you put him in the lineup for now? Yes. Yes, I would. Okay. Because especially uh, it might come down to do I need saves? You know, do I need that chance that he could get the slow closer job? He always plays into it. To pair on Toronto would be somebody I'd look at uh, who's out there in the majority of leagues. Uh, maybe Matt, uh, Madsen uh, on uh, Washington, somebody out there I would like. If Addison Reed's out there, he shouldn't be out there. But if he is, he's someone I'm going after because I think it's just a matter of time until he gets the closing job. Josh Fields on uh, the Dodgers because Will knows Jansen's had his issues. Uh, as far as uh, closing is concerned. Once again, I don't think Jansen, I'm not saying Jansen's going to lose the job, but someone I wouldn't uh, mind. Uh, anybody on Cleveland right now, now that uh, Andrew Miller's out there, Nick Goody, uh, McAllister, the guys I would look at there. And I said, they're, they're hosting these guys that are out there. Darren O'Day is the top guy uh, for, for Baltimore after Brock. I just don't like the team. It has nothing to do with him. I just The team just disgusts me uh, as far as the pitching staff is concerned. Minter in Atlanta is someone I could look at uh, as well. But there are probably five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten other guys that are easily out there. These, these guys can be found. Like I said, these guys can be found to protect my whip and ERA. Not all are going to have any kind of real save upside. But, you know, like I said, I think Barrico is a perfect example here. I think Ziegler is just a matter of time until that job goes away. Barraclaw is owned in 22% of CBSSports.com leagues. Uh, how much would you bid on him if you really need saves? Say you have only one closer right now. How much do you uh, bid on, on him? See, I love the point you made. If you need saves. I'm going to bid more yeah. if I need saves. And I'm assuming well, if you have four closers, obviously you're not going to bid on him. So, of course. Well, I wouldn't say that. But if I let's say I have... Three closers, and I still wanted that reliever. I still wouldn't bid as much on him because I'm not desperate right. for saves, and I don't want to spend generally my a whole bunch of my fab on a uh, a guy like this because there's plenty out there. So if I don't need saves, I'm probably only bidding a couple bucks, a couple percentage points at, at most. If I do need saves, I'm probably willing to go. I mean, once again, I'll check my league here. What I think I can do to win this, I'll probably go. You know, once again, hundred dollars, probably seven, eight bucks. I think that would win me him, assuming he doesn't get another save uh, tonight or today. 
you know, because I think that might uh, raise his value a little bit. The one save during the week probably is not going to uh, raise his fab too much for me. But if he gets another one today, then I'll have to go up another couple of dollars. Addison Reed, how much would you bid on him? Uh, we had three straight blown saves by Fernando Rodney, but he, then he got one last night. He got Reed one is last by night. 27% of leagues. We thought we might see Reed as a closer with the Mets, but that never happened. I'm shocked it's only, it's only 27%. I'm surprised it's not, I wouldn't say double, but probably 40%. I think he should be on many more leagues. Uh, I like Reed anyway. I'll spend, I said 7-8 for Barraclow. I'd go 12 to 15, depending on league with uh, Reed. I think it's just a matter of time. I think we all, and Rodney's 41 years old. I mean, uh, You've been saying this it, about Rodney for years. Though. Yes, yes, he, he's a magician. How he keeps the, the, the lead, uh, the, keeps the job is beyond me. But Minnesota can't keep blowing these saves. I understand the save he blew against the Yankees, not totally his fault. There was Sonoma made a couple of bad plays, and then Sanchez hit the home run. But still, you know, he, he's still getting guys. He's hittable. And I think a lot for the managers, a lot of times it comes down to, well, if I take him out, is he going to lose interest and not be a good setup man either? You know, where I sort of almost lose two positions now. But I, I think this is Reed's job. It's a matter of time. I, I Reed is someone I want on my roster. I actually have him on a couple of teams already. That's fair, but I I draft. I would pick up Barraclaw over Reed, especially if I'm one of those leagues where it's not auction bidding and you just have to put contingent bids. Uh, but I would spend more for Barraclaw because I I believe that that Ziegler has a. Uh, has more of a shot to lose a job than Rodney, number one. And number two, I think Barrick Law is going to be more dominant in terms of strikeouts. I can't really argue with you. I think it's the one's going to personal perception. I'm probably going more for Reed. Uh, but I think also Steckenrider being there bothers me a little bit in Miami that he could uh, be annoying. I, I think Barrick Law is next in line. I'd be shocked if he's not next in line. Uh, but Steckenrider in there does annoy me a little bit. I like Addison Reed. I like him a lot. <laughs> I think, he, I think he should have been the closer to begin with. I think he's the best reliever in that Minnesota bullpen. And he's not someone I'm worried about, like uh, R.G. Bradley. I don't, think, I don't think Bradley has the job or had, had any chance of getting the job in Arizona because he could pitch multiple innings where that's not Reed's thing. That's not why he won't get the job. He won't get the job is because they just want to keep going to Rodney. Uh, but I like Addison Reed, but I can't really make an argument for anybody who wants to go Barraclow. I think both should be owned. I think they've been, uh, they've been uh, grooming him actually for a while. Barraclaw. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Uh, Ramos, now he's with the Mets. Uh, there was even some noise that Barraclaw should get the job over him because Ramos has a tendency to put people on base, you know, via the free pass, and that's not what you want. Uh, to quote a Joe Girardi, great phrase, every interview uh, with, your, uh, with the reliever. Put uh, guys on base for free. You don't want that. So, I, listen, I like Barraclaw. And I said, I'm definitely uh, bidding on him because I like what he can, the fact that he can get you saves. I, I, the fact that I think he'll be the future closer, and by future I mean this season. And the fact that he can protect, protect my ratios now. Even very, if all goes wrong, he protects my ratios now. I have no issues with Barraclaw. Okay. Uh, moving on to some other potential waiver pickups here. And, uh, look, I talked about this guy last week. You said no, but I have to bring it up again this week. Because he had another good start last night, and we've seen him keep ratios down before. Bartolo Colon continues to get it done, and <laughs> the early I actually picked him up in Tout Wars uh, last week, despite you saying no. So far, a two eighty seven ERA and a zero point eight six WHIP. I don't know what to tell you. The production's I mean, uh, there. You knee jerk, you want to immediately say no. 
And I'm going to say no again. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not. I, listen, I love the guy. I mean, it, it, I think he's just just amazing. This man is 44 years. He'll be 45 in a month. And to do what he does, I mean, uh, what was he? You know, he was a steroid guy, too. What was he injecting in this? Chocolate sauce? I mean, really? Uh, <laughs> amazing. Just amazing. I root for the guy. I, he's a guy, you know, when I say I want nothing to do with Larry Allen. But Cologne, I root for. I want to see him do well. I, and uh, and with the Mets loved him. He's, just, he's, a, he's a lovable figure. Hit a home run. I mean, come on. But no, I, I can't. I mean, once again, did well against Toronto last night. Toronto, no Josh. That's an offense that doesn't have much. You know, no Josh Donaldson in there. Morales well, isn't hitting. If you smoke, want to be a good pitcher, really should take, take advantage of those matchups. I agree. I agree. I I I don't have a valid argument against him other than that. You know the blowups coming. Yeah, you just know the blowups coming. Yeah, come on, come on, it's coming. Right, let's look at some of the advanced numbers. Only six point six point oh three K per nine. The bad pip is two twenty five, and the strand rate is eighty point four. So, so the bad those are all working against him. 287 ERA, but the ex-FIP is only 361. Uh, well, the, the whip is – you're going to be fine in whip because he generally does not put people on base. That's one thing about Cologne. He's, he's going to make you hit the ball. You know, you, you know what's coming pretty much uh, – he, he knows the strike zone. So you like that as far as not Freddie free passes. Uh, he's, a, he's a matchup guy for me. But, uh, you know, bad team. Wins are going to be tough. You know, the ERA is going to scare me a little bit. No strikeouts. I almost got limited upside here. Uh, I would not do him in a head-to-head league in a yearly. If I'm going to do it, it'll be a yearly league. I have not done it in any league. I don't plan on doing it in any league. I think he's probably available in most of my leagues, although I haven't checked. But uh, I'm not going to be able to pull that trigger. But I do root for the man. Here's one thing: the ground ball rate is 10 point per percentage points above his career average right now. The ground ball rate is 51.6 percent compared to 41.8 for the career. Yeah, you see, it's April. I'm not going to go bananas about all these numbers you're bringing out because, listen, it's, it's the smallest of small sample sizes. Well, I bring the it's numbers old. out to say may, maybe support your position, actually. Yeah, but even that, I mean, like I said, and what is it? Lies, damn lies, and stats. We can make these numbers say whatever we want, but it's too small. Although there'll be a lot of people who tell you even season-long numbers are too small. You know, you really can't get an accurate viewpoint there. Uh, any, any kind of math person would tell you that anyway. I, I just... I think when it comes down to players like this, I need trust. And I just don't have it here. You know, I, I just don't with Bartolo Colon, even though I, I, I like the guy. Uh, and I don't see, once again, where's the upside here? Other than ERA, and I think that's coming up. The lot of numbers you're, you're bringing up, we know we're going to regress. The, the BIP, strand rate, we know that's coming up eventually. You know, and for most pitchers, it will because they'll get, you know, as they get tired during the season, obviously, they'll make more mistakes. I think, uh, once again, sort of a place for, I'm not, I'm not going to be bidding on him in any league if that's where you're going with this. I'll, I'll let somebody else have him. Okay, I'll take them. Uh, and I'll cut them when some of the regression comes. Sometimes you can do that, you know, maybe just ride Absolutely. the wave out a little bit. Uh, That's the hard part, though. When's the right time? Yeah. Kyle Gibson. Now, there's an article on rotoexperts.com right now with Cam Giant Grande, Diamonds and Gems, where he talks about Kyle Gibson and Addison Reed as two potential pickups. And Gibson is not looking like the Gibson that we've seen for the last four years. So far... He's got a 3.33 ERA, a 126 whip, and here's something new for him. In 27 innings pitch, he has 30 strikeouts. Yeah, he got a whole bunch of those on Thursday against the Yankees. Uh, where he, he looked really good in that game. Uh, Gibson's my kryptonite. You know, uh, I've had him... Uh, 
I keep waiting for it. You know, this guy was once a top prospect. He was supposed to come in and do big things, and uh, I tend not to give up on those guys so quickly. So I'll buy him, Scott. But that's man, I think it's some personal bias coming in there. Or I like the guy. I've always liked him. Liked him when he was a prospect in the, in the system. I expected bigger things from him. Uh, saw him against the Yankees the other day. Looked great. So it's just, it's just playing into my bias over and over again. You know, Minnesota Twins. I wouldn't call them a great team, but they're a solid team. So I'm not so much worried about W's. Uh, plays in a neutral ballpark. So not so worried about the ERA. Uh, I'll buy. Out of all the guys you've named so far, this is the guy uh, I'm most interested in. I don't consider him a filler. I consider him a guy, lower end of my uh, staff, of course, but a guy that maybe has some long-term value. I don't know about rest of the season value. There may be eventually a time where I need to let him go to get something else I need, but I like what he can do. The numbers are there. The strikeouts are there. Wins, I think, will come up. He's not uh, crushing me in ratio. So I'm liking Gibson a lot, but I'll, I fully admit there is personal bias there. I've been waiting for this for what seems like a decade. The strikeout rate, K per nine, is a 10 right now, which is way above the 6.37 we're used to. ERA is 3.33. The FIP is 3.11, but the XFIP is 4.01. The strand rate is 71.4%. So maybe it is what we, we we're seeing so far is looking that way. In terms of his pitch selection, the fastball percentage is up just a little bit. He's not throwing the slider nearly as much. The curveball usage is up a little bit, and the changeable changeup percentage is down a little bit. So he's slightly changing his arsenal as well, and he does have four pitches. And we always like that, because the more pitches you have, Jeremy, the deeper you can go into ball games. Yes, uh, the batters don't know what they're seeing. Like I said, I saw him pitch against the Yankees the other day. I mean, maybe the Yankees were just off that day, but the strikeouts, what do you have, 10 in that game? He looked great. And he had 10 in like five innings, so the Yankees uh, finally uh, moved that pitch count up, and he had to go. So uh, I like what I've seen. But I, I, like I said, as I fully admit over and over again, I've always liked him. So I'm sort of waiting for him to do well, wanting him to do well. This way I can go out and grab him. Or if I don't have him in a league or two, you know, I wouldn't grab him in every league if he's available. But I'd want him in at least. I'd want a couple of shares just to see if this is the breakout I'm hoping it is. All right, uh, lots more fantasy baseball to come here in the final hour, and don't forget the Talladega race. The first one on FanDuel is uh, today at 3 p.m. for you NASCAR players. Go to DailyRoto.com. Check out the full preview from Sean Engel. Lots more baseball coming up, more waiver pickups, and two-turn starters here on the Roto Experts on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 